You're listening to the Art of Living Well podcast with Father Ian Van Heusen. Hey everyone, welcome back. This is Tim. Hope you all are staying safe and well during this pandemic. Obviously, it's a trying time. Just want to reiterate what Father Ian continues to reiterate. We are here for you. If you need help or someone to talk to, please reach out by email at ianvanhusen.com. In this episode, Father Ian and Alana discuss the parable of the Good Samaritan. Enjoy. Hey, good to see everyone as we're going live here. Um, we're just going to have a little bit of a spiritual discussion. I want to say this at the beginning, um, that there definitely me and Alana, we were having like a half hour conversation off, off air. There's plenty of opinions. There's plenty of things that are going good, things that are going bad. There's a variety of things going around the country. What I want to do, because I need it, I think Alana needs it. I think a lot of you might need it is I want to step away from that a little bit, just connect with God's word. I don't want to, I don't, I'm not pretending that there's not stuff going on. Me and Alana are going to turn around and we've got work to do. Alana's working on stuff for the art of living. Well, we've got, we've got steps to take. We're going to set a little bit of that aside right now and just kind of reflect on the scripture a little bit together. And I was thinking is particularly, I wanted to reflect on the good Samaritan because it occurred to me, like I finally understood the priests and the Pharisees in this good Samaritan. And I'm going to flesh that out a little bit. Um, but, but we just agree is, is if you start getting into our opinions about this Bishop or that Bishop or this priest or that priest or this diocese or this country, um, we're going to shut that conversation down and probably delete your comment. Um, we're just right now, we're really looking just to have a spiritual conversation. That makes sense. Alana, you probably like, we kind of need that right now, right? Yes. Yeah, we just need to, to dive in, like we have been doing since last week, but not everything's been shared. Um, we need to dive into our, into scripture and really find what God, what is God trying to tell us in, in this moment? Because um, yeah, that's where we need to be. So. so, so it starts off. So, well, actually, let's get into a little bit before that, the greatest commandment. There was a scholar of the law who stood up to test him and said, teacher, what must I do to an entire internal life? Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? He said in reply, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. He replied to him, you answer correctly, do this and you will live. But because he wished to justify himself, he said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? Now, I want to talk about this first. Is We've talked about this before. I think, I'm, and I preached on this yesterday. There's a hierarchy within our existence, right? So there's our base instincts, then there's our intellect, and then there's our spiritual self, if you will. And what, what Jesus right now is appealing to is our spiritual self. Now, I think we have to recognize right now, one of the things that, and me and you, I've, you've heard me preach on this probably, is I think our hierarchy of goods is a little bit off right now. Self-preservation is important. It's a part of the natural law. You should not seek to, to end your life but there's a higher principle, which is to love God and to love neighbor. And so you can set aside self-preservation for the good of others. And that's like something I think that needs to be repeated over and over again. Like, for example, we talked about, I was talking about, I think it was a series of text messages where I said, I understand now the radicalness of when St. Francis kissed the leper. It wasn't because, ooh, it was gross or, ooh, he looks a little weird. It would be like kissing a coronavirus person right now. You know, yeah. I, I think that would be the radicalness of that. I'm not saying that everybody should run out and 
find a coronavirus person to to kiss and to hold but yeah but it it's really that definition of courage which is really is being able to being willing to lose your life for the good of someone else but not it all it all has to go in all of the virtues have to be active (laughs) in this moment you know it's like we have to really discern what is god asking us to do in this moment and and not do things that are foolish because yeah, and that's, and that prudence, prudence yeah. is a higher virtue than courage. Right. So prudence governs courage. So if you have an excess of courage, that could be a fault. Because you, you, I don't know if you've studied this with Aristotle and that St. Thomas Aquinas picks up. Excess of natural virtue, not the theological virtues, not faith, open love, but prudence, excess. And right now, some people are falling into excess of prudence. Excess or deficiency is... Vices. They are vices. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really hard to hear sometimes because <laughs> you're like, I want to be courageous. Well, first you have to be moderately prudent, you know, like moderation and temperance and, and justice and all of the virtues need to come together. And if we haven't really worked them in ourselves before this, they'll be really difficult to um, discern right now in the midst of this anxiety, like, existential anxiety that we're all dealing with right now yeah absolutely absolutely and and i I, and i was talking about it is the hardest thing for me as a man is is if i was told to go out and start to to bury bodies and that i could die i feel like i can handle that easier than i need to like figure out how to be sanitary and like (laughs) I, i feel like i could run into a burning building a lot easier than navigating that like this navigating this is a lot harder because yeah. you have to really think through things in a way that's and like, there's so much unknown like yeah. there's just so much unknown so it's hard to navigate the unknown and it's i think that's where a lot of the anxiety is coming from is because we don't know what's happening in, really and we don't know how to respond properly and so it makes things erratic it makes us have this underlying anxiety and and can really bring about these feelings that we aren't used to dealing with at this and, level. And I think one of the things that I've realized that I've had, I've gotten over pretty quickly is one, having people like tell me things I don't want to hear constantly. And two, having to modify constantly and be wrong a lot. So behind the scenes, you know, you've seen the fruit of when I'm, I'm, I'm making decisions, but a lot of times I've, I've had to modify decisions almost daily or weekly based on feedback I'm getting from elected representatives from what's possible, what's not possible and just spitballing ideas. And that's incredibly hard. I mean, I'm even feeling it right now because you're talking with people you've never talked with before. Like I was talking with the head of the hospital and you have to be told sometimes that your ideas are stupid (laughs) or not practical. Actually, I will say this. I've been fortunate. Everybody in my local situation has been incredibly supportive. So when I've spitballed an idea, nobody's told me I'm stupid, but they've said, okay, we need to modify this or we need to work with this. But well, that's good. (laughs) I mean, it really is good. So, so who have, we we just went over the part where it says, who is my neighbor? So do you have a, do you have any insights or thoughts on, on how this? I I think, I think we have to realize that love of neighbor right now is the most important thing. And then it says, who is my neighbor? And the way he's going to do it is, is um, your neighbor is, 
your enemy and you're and you're and your, the person you least like and the piece, person that you're most alienated from uh, i mean because it's the samaritan who's the outsider um so it's everybody i mean i think that's kind of the way jesus teases this out is everybody's your neighbor but i think and this is actually this gets to another tendency which is within self-preservation is the preservation of me and mine you know i think yeah. i think that's um right now a, a strong potential which is which I'm having to fight because I mean, even I feel like I might've even given you a little bit of this answer before where, well, you know, I know we're handling it. Well, I'm sucks for you that, you know, other parts of the country aren't handling it. Well, I don't know if that's a good answer. Actually, that's making me think maybe I need to get on the phone after this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. It's, it is really difficult because some places aren't handling it, handling it well, and it creates more stress for the people and, and, and that sometimes isn't always foreseeable in how things are handled and in the reaction of the people. And people um, don't always like it when you're help when you're helping or you're trying to. I, I encountered that a lot in seminary. I think I'm fortunate that I got a lot of it out of the way in the seminary, which is I've been told a lot to mind my own business and stay in my lane. I've been told that a lot in my life. N- nobody's telling me that anymore, but <laughs> but I mean I, I've been I've been chewed out many times. And, and, um, and that, I think that can make sometimes people shrink and want to like, well, me and my family are okay. I'm right. fine. My family's fine. I don't care if that person down the street's not fine. And that's where, so there's the self-preservation and then there's like the familial and, and Jesus, he breaks these down, you know, mm-hmm. he says, I mean, even about his own mother, the blessed Virgin Mary he says, who's, you know, when they say your mother's out there and he says, who's my mother? You know these people, the, my disciples, that there's something deeper than familial bonds, even for Jesus. So that's the, the first. The first lesson is there's something more important than you preserving your life. The second lesson is there's something more important than your family. I mean, and I'm not saying that imprudence or whatever. Going back to what we said, but right. But also the family of of the church is is really the body of Christ is really what we're supposed to be making sure that it's you know, sir, we serve each other in that way. And, and how do we do that in, in this time where we're instructed to stay in our homes yeah. or unless we're, unless you're essential and then you're instructed to leave your home. It's confusing. I, I, would, I would say, I think people should fight that a little bit. I think, I think church is essential. I will say that. I think um, maybe you need to encourage your priests a little bit to, to see themselves as essential and, and, I promise not to talk about this, but I'm gonna go ahead and talk about it. I think now's the time to fight a little bit. Like you gotta have a little fight in you yeah. um, and don't accept no as an answer. Um, you know, these are elected officials. You will vote for them in the next election or you cannot vote against them or you can run ads against them if you want as a citizen. <laughs> yeah. You, run a, you know, you can run ads against them. You can form an alliance against uh, elected official. You have leverage, um, you right. know, I think. And, and it's important to just pay attention, be paying attention, you know, like people are, are kind of waking up to like what's going on and, and things that are being slowly taken away, sometimes not so slowly at this point, but it's really, think, it's really first difficult. play nice. Yeah. First play nice with people, Try, you know, mm-hmm. honey is better than vinegar, but I, I think, I think, I think Catholics really do have to, they have to, they have to fight for their access to the sacraments, I think a little bit. Yeah. I might regret those words later, but 
I've said them. <laughs> well, and I'm for sure my people that I mean, I will fight for their access to the sacraments. That's great. That's more important than anything else in my life right now. Um, yeah, my number one priority. My future. You know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, it makes sense. Are you ready to keep going? Yeah, I think we said we weren't going to talk about this, but we did. That's all right. <laughs> it always happens. I'm not going to say this, but I'm going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, Jesus said, a man fell victim to robbers as he went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. I actually want to read this as a man fell victim to the coronavirus. Why the hell not? You know? Um, so a man has the coronavirus. They stripped him and beat him and went off, leaving him half dead. A priest happened. See, this is where it cuts to the heart right now. I'm actually getting a little teary-eyed. Because, like, what would, I, what would I do right now if somebody said, and you can hear it, you can hear it played out, right? If somebody said, somebody is dying at home because of the coronavirus, Father, will you go anoint them? And you're thinking to yourself, I'm going to get the coronavirus. I'm not going to be able to offer mass. You can hear, like, the, you can hear the voices. I mean, even for me right now as a priest, Father Ian, you're not going to be able to do live stream. You're not going to be able to do this. You're not going to be able to do that. You're going to have to go into quarantine, like just pass them by. Think mm -hmm. of, think of all the other people. I think that's the temptation for the priest walking by the road. And, and something you said, I think it was last night or two nights ago, you said that it really is, it's like, well, I can help this one person, but then all these other people, I won't be able to serve if I, if I can track this virus and I have to be quarantined. So it, like, it is a, a battle of, of what do you do in these moments? Um, and it's not an easy answer. And maybe there's not one, one right answer. I don't know what the answer is, you know? But, and, and maybe that's part of when Francis kissed the leper. I mean, he could have gotten leprosy, right? I don't think they knew at the time how leprosy. Right. And then and can you imagine all the people saying to him, you have this movement going. These are like, you're a leader of this fledgling movement. Don't put yourself out there. You're too important. Stay back where it's safe. Right. And, and so he didn't get it, which was the will of God. But when we talk, when we look at like Malachi Martin, yeah. I believe that's the St. Malachi Martin um, who went to the, is it in Hawaii? Yeah. The, the leper villages in Hawaii. And he lived with them and served them and he died of leprosy. So sometimes that is also God's will is that you get this and you suffer with people and you die from this so it's really hard also to say well it's it's not magic that that you just won't get it you know what i mean yeah, like great. you don't okay. know what god's will is for your life in this moment and that's another way that it's kind of scary it's kind of hard to look at in this way because like how am i supposed to serve these people you know and, and it takes a lot of discernment yeah, it does, isn't it crazy right now how the scripture has come alive in a whole different way? Yeah. Like, I mean, I, the I read last this. week's conversations have been like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've, read these, I've read these stories for years and like it never, it never clicked in my head. And, and it makes these, these people so human. Like we always have this like attitude towards the priests and Levites, you yeah. know, like, ugh, they're horrible you know people and then it's like oh they're real people who had rules that they were you know like they were trying to follow the law and they were trying to do what they thought was god was asking them to do but you know it's really hard to 
discern all of these things. Yeah, I'm um, getting teary. I just think that. Yeah. It's really like, because I mean, it's like right now, suddenly the priest, he seems like people I know right now. Like, yeah. Like I avoiding. Care about. Yeah. Yeah. Avoiding the sick and, you know, so, so these people needed to be like legally pure and, and there's a lot of, um, there's probably, there's probably an overlap with the hygienic. I don't think, I mean, traditionally we've thought of it more as the legalistic and, oh, how silly the law of Moses was, but I don't think it, I mean, especially if you're, if you take seriously what you're doing. um, Well, there was, there was reasons for the law to be the way it was to make sure that, that people were living up to a standard that was legally, spiritually, but also there was a lot of hygienic reasons that things happened in the Old Testament. But in terms of when we look at it in like an allegorical sense, it's about how the, the priests and Levites couldn't bring life to those outside of, of the covenant, which is Samaritan wasn't in the covenant at that time. Yeah. And and the good Samaritan, which represents Christ, is the one who brings life. Yeah, and that's another thing as a priest right now, if somebody who wasn't even Catholic called asked you to help them and to to yeah. give them the sacraments or to be with them and to pray with them. Right. That's even, you know, and you'd have to give up giving the sacraments to so many people. It's fascinating. Yeah. Keep going. So likewise, the Levite came to the place, and when he saw him, he passed by on the opposite side. But a Samaritan traveler who came upon him was moved with compassion at the sight. He approached the victim, poured oil and wine over his wounds, and bandaged them. So he goes out of his way, right? He goes out of his way. Yeah. There's a certain excess. He doesn't just do the bare minimum. He doesn't. But and I also like the the detail of the oil and the wine. That to me is sacramental work, like language. Yeah you know the oil of anointing and and the wine of the chalice of his blood you know his blood, yeah, blood. um of the eucharist yeah, I, never, I never picked up on that before like i would yeah anointing so, and the eucharist which is tied with the blood of christ right so so not just taking care of his bodily ills but like in an allegorical way taking care of his spiritual needs of that you know in that moment for his eternal life he he anointed him and and gave him this in in allegorical reading not the literal reading but it's really important to say like okay so the samaritan gives access to these life-giving sacraments right and brings them to the people who maybe society would feel like don't don't deserve it right that's really hard yeah because yeah man this gave me really <laughs> I don't know if you can tell to the yeah. live stream. Father Ian's going to cry on live stream. I'm going to make him cry. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, a, no, I mean, it's not because I'm sad. It's actually, it's like, it's like, I've never, it's, this has never hit me before. Like I've read this my whole life and you're kind of like, oh yeah, the good Samaritan. Like, yeah, <laughs> we're all so, going to be good Samaritan. And I think that the really sad part now is that not everybody's being good Samaritans. And they've heard this their whole lives. Like, but if they've heard this whole their whole lives, but not in a way, but just on a surface level of like, 
you just go out of your way and you do something nice for someone else. Yes, the surface level isn't wrong. It's just, what does it really mean to deep dive into understand what does this mean? Like, how do we give life giving service to other people? You know, and how- And at risk to ourselves. And Right. And- And I think, I think contamination was a big part of this. I think not just like legalistically, but I think generally speaking, I mean, if you're, if you're concerned about germs and you see, like you see a dead carcass along the road, or you see like you, like you avoid it. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Normally. And, and this is definitely a little bit different because technically this was someone who was just beaten and left for dead and not necessarily you know, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So, so I, I do think you have to take that into, into, I think the disease way would be a good way to read it right now. Yeah. yeah well, yeah, but I'm in the literal way of reading it. That's yeah. what I'm just saying. Um, but when we make you know, allegorical and uh, other ways of, of really taking things from it, I just want to make sure that we know that, that we're looking at it in different ways. I wonder, I wonder the, 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 the financial part, I wonder, it feels like I would interpret it right now that it's extravagant, that the, that the, the, the carry gives them is extravagant. Which, it's extravagant. And it's, it's also, it, it brings, I mean, we haven't read that far yet in the reading, but um, do you want to do that first? Yeah. And then, we then he lifted him up on his own animal, took him to the inn and cared for him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper with the instruction, take care of him. If you spend more than what I've given you, I shall repay you on my way back. Which of these three, in your opinion, was neighbor to the robber's victim? He answered the one who treated him with mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Okay. So not only did, so he, he picked him up and he brought him to an inn and paid for him and then promised if there was more that they would be paid in the future, you know, repaid for everything that was necessary. So it would, it says my um, Bible says that two denarii is about two days, two days wages, which would have paid for seven, several days of lodging. So it was, I mean, like the bandits and thieves, Yes, coronavirus, but also the spiritual attacks that we're dealing with right now. Because it's not just the coronavirus. It's also, we have a spiritual realm that we still constantly always have to deal with. And and right now the inn is closed. The churches are closed. You know what I mean? Like, how do we, how do we deal with this in... in well, why, don't we walk this? Through, why don't we walk through some scenarios to prepare people, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, what if, what if your hospital, what if your neighbor is sick and they need to go to the hospital, right? Mm-hmm. How are you going to respond? Like, let's say there's a situation where they can't get themselves to the hospital. Now everybody I think needs to ask themselves, are you willing to let your neighbor die alone right now? Like, like, I think that's something, I mean, I know I, two weeks ago when I first started talking about stuff. And I, I don't, I think my inner circle was appreciative of it. Some people thought I was over-exaggerating for certain. And then as what I predicted came to pass more and more, and I, and I was prepared, I think now people are like, okay, 
maybe, maybe, maybe we should have been thinking about this a little bit more. And I think right now, each one of us, like, what are you willing to do for other people in this situation and be prepared for worst case scenario? I would, I would personally right now rather get coronavirus than willingly let one of my parishioners die alone, either at home or in hospital. I, I, I think that's like, I think each one of us needs to go through those scenarios. Like, what are we, what are we willing to do for other people? And right. I mean, I think that's how you're courageous. I don't think you're courageous if you just, well, think, cause I think there's a lot of people right now who are being caught off guard because with each step, they just keep thinking, oh, it's going to be so much better. It's going to be so much better. Don't think about the negative. Don't think about the worst case scenario. Just be positive thinking. And there is something truth in being positive. Like, but right now the positive thinking is I would rather die than, than have people die alone or lose faith. Like yeah. salvation of souls is the top of my priorities. Right. And that's your vocation too. Yeah, like yeah. You're, you're responsible for, for that. Um, so that also leads to like the different vocations and, and, and what it is courage in those vocations. Like exactly. if, if the vocation of marriage is for the salvation of your own family, like how are we to look at this differently in, yeah. in the laity than, than, I mean, what do, what does heroic virtue look like for the laity versus what does heroic, cause we can't bring the sacraments. Yeah, exactly. You know, like we don't have that power. We don't have that um, the ability. Now, one thing I don't know for certain. Um, I think people who work in hospitals right now, I think there might be challenges with, because um, I know in our hospitals, they're trying to work on having people be at the bedside of people, maybe with phones and technology mm -hmm. um, so that they can live stream or they can, you know, like do some kind of, some kind of video call with their loved ones or something or, or right. Or bigger groups, and and I think, I think if people are working in the medical profession, maybe they need to be willing to step up. I it's it's tough because it really does depend on your vocation, like you said, and I think that's true. Um, because but, we do have the grace; they're both vocations for the salvation of others, um, but they just work in it's just a different function. Yeah. So it's just it's. I guess what I'm saying is discernment is key and, and what is your, you know, and I think, and, and I think, I think b b before b in peacetime and um, when we heard all of these things, I, I really feel like myself and other people, we were so quick to judge because we, we didn't understand the complexities of things. I mean, so we hear about St. Charles Borromeo. We hear about these great saints. We don't know what their government leaders were saying at the time. We don't know what other people were saying at the time. We're not even sure if at the time their action was considered to be good. You know what I'm saying? Like St. Charles of Borromeo might've been catching a lot of flack for what he was doing. He might've been bucking the system a little bit or, or, or even better yet, there might've been somebody else who tried to be a St. Charles Borromeo and they fell flat on their face. Mm -hmm. And like what they did was completely imprudent. And, but it right. looked like St. Charles Borromeo. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And we like, have absolutely. we have to be d discerning for our own life, God's will for our own lives, not just because somebody else did something. Yeah, in, which is in really that tough. realm. Yeah, yeah. Because yes, we want sainthood, and becoming a saint is a goal. But that doesn't each you don't follow the footsteps of the saint if that's not God's will for you. Yeah. You know, so it's, just, it's it's so incredibly 
I, I think being a hero is harder than than we thought. You know, because then you think when you're younger, you're like, I mean, you almost you you've I've heard it before. I've heard this this whole idea like, well, people back then were this, and then, but we're now so more enlightened and. We, we have these examples. We've learned from them. So in the midst of a crisis, we would be so much better than, than no, those silly people. We will be human. They exactly. were human and we are human and we've learned almost nothing. <laughs> I know. It's like, it's like, yeah. I mean. We've learned to wash our hands. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> yeah. And, and, but, we, and we, now, we now know a little bit more of the, the, the mechanics of how we're getting sick. Right, right, but that doesn't. I don't mean... know if that actually helps or hurts. <laughs> <laughs> um, that might actually make it worse, like because right now, I mean, we've talked about this. You could spend days and days spinning your wheels about all the latest information, um, which some of my family members are doing a little bit of, um, yeah. and and I have to tell them because they're talking to me, they're spinning. I'm like, I have to say this, guys, but I, I don't really care right now. And they're like, Well, why don't you care? I'm like, Because I've got things I got to focus on. Yeah. Like. I, I definitely, when all said and done, we'll critique the heck out of, you know, bishop, yeah. priests. Well, there's p- plenty of people who are doing the, that already. So I feel like I don't need to spend my energy doing that. It's being done. It's yeah. being done. And, it's not particularly helpful. And, <laughs> and it gives me more anxiety than I than I need to deal with. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. We have some comments if you want to go over. Yeah, let's go through it. Hey, good to see everybody. I hope we're not depressing you or making you sad or, or if we are, it's in a good way that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think people are really struggling. I think that's something that we're going to be. I see yeah, some see, comments. Let's see that, some, yeah, let's see what's in the comments. Uh, Tina Marsh says, good morning, Father. Thank you. Um, She's in Fayetteville. So we got maybe, Fayetteville covered. Don't worry about Fayetteville. Yeah. If you need, actually, seriously, if you need anything in Fayetteville, uh, we got access to the mayor and to the head of the hospital. So just mm-hmm. to throw that out there. So Tina, please spread that word around. Yeah. Thank you, Tina. Um, no, yeah. So nobody in Fayetteville will, will like. We can get somebody there. And I'm two hours away, but I can figure something out. All right. Okay. And Mary Kenny says we're all going to die anyways. It's important to be right with the Lord, and then there's nothing to be afraid of. Absolutely. It's, it's very Absolutely. easy to say, very hard to actually integrate. <laughs> Absolutely. And Mary is one of our parishioners here in uh, Greenville. Or is it Greenville? Shoot. That's crazy. I don't know. Mary, where, where were we? Actually, it might've been Fuquay. Yeah. It might've been Fuquay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, he's got a lot on his mind guys. Um, <laughs> well, I meet so many people too. It's I like know. Crazy. So Cynthia Bork says, good point. Alana. Great point, Alana. Thank you. And that was, came in when I talked about the, the oil and the wine, that, that point. And then she also says, when you act selflessly, you bring the love of Christ to others. Yes. Absolutely. Amen. Uh, Miriam Jean, this is why they say scripture is alive. It has different meaning depending on your life experiences. We are experiencing unprecedented events today. Scripture should take different meanings today. Absolutely. Which is why we're going through them. It's like God wants to tell us something and he's given us literally a book to talk to, you know, to be able to express himself to us. And then we need to spend time in it. I I, I will say I've been surprised. I was surprised that how the Samaritan came alive for me today. And when, when I first started brainstorming with this, because I, to be honest with you, I had glossed over this for like 10 or 15, 20 years. I mean, cause when you read as your kid, like, Oh yeah, I got that. Like, 
<laughs> you yeah. Know what yeah. Because it's surface surface level and we don't have any practical experience, you know, into really what that means. And, it, and I don't think it's even yeah. preached on in a way that it's, that it's a little bit different. Not because probably because the priests don't have practical experience. You know what I mean? Like it just doesn't occur to us that it could affect us in this way. You know, like we, we live in a place that even just believing that this is happening is hard for people because it just doesn't happen. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's difficult. Um, Deb Swift says, um, if they have a contagious disease, I wouldn't have let them, I would have, I, I would have let them die alone. I am responsible for my own family. So there's people who are well, there. You go. Like that's what they're discerning, and yeah. I mean the, that's something. That's like, something. I mean that's pretty powerful to say. Yeah. Aloud. It is. I don't know if I agree with you. I'm gonna. I mean, I normally try yeah. not to be like hard on this comments, but I, I would. I would rather. I'd rather die than. Yeah. yeah. But also, different vocations. So yeah. we have to like, we have to be careful and gentle. And she also says, my first responsibility is to my family as a mother. I can't afford to die. If I avoid it, it's, if I can avoid it, it's unfair to them. So your responsibility is for the souls of, of your, you know, your people, your flock. And, and as mothers and as wives, our responsibility is also for our own children you know the lives of our children and our family yeah that's a tough one so it's hard it's i mean i mean you're gonna have to you just gotta think that through and yeah that's gonna be a decision you're gonna live with for the rest of your life yeah and she says being saintly doesn't mean being reckless and we've been saying that the entire time like please don't be reckless please don't be you know just going out and doing things because you know you think this is you know just really discern what is god who is god calling you to be in this moment because because that's really where oh, yeah. we need well, to look let's, at. let's move on i think we can move. i think we yes yeah. yeah we got so we got one more uh father vitalis says you are really uplifting us thank you both thank you father for yeah. for being here okay done with comments yeah <laughs> I, I think i think this might be a good place to end a little bit i think um giving some people some time to to reflect on it i think yeah. um I think we did our job for today with this. <laughs> I, think I, I think I needed to hear this um, as I get back to work. Yeah. And, Ready. and just really focus and, and discern on, on your vocation, on what God's will is for you in this moment. And, and some, some of us, his will for us in this moment will be to stay home and to not create more of a problem. Absolutely. And, you know, so, and, 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 and the discernment is on an individual level. Right. I can't discern for you. You have to discern for yourself. Right. But and just, you know, I think we gave you some good tools and we're going to continue to give good tools. Yeah. Um, yeah. And God's, and God's forgiveness and mercy is always flowing out upon us and, and you'll just be prepared to respond to the grace in the moment. Cause God, that's where we need to be is in the moment, in the grace of the moment. And you know, you know I think my respond. the future I, I just thought about um, is the three grades of humility. I have to show that to you. That might be something we can meditate on a little bit more in the future. Okay. Yeah, we'll so talk, I'll talk about it off. I'll talk about it offline, but okay. All right. Good to see everyone. Yeah. Have a good day.